Greetings, future lovers. This is Killstreak, episode 48. I'm Eric Goslin, a.k.a. the form- the artist formerly known as Dick Gooley. Oh, man. Coming at you just a couple days after we recorded our last Drakoff episode. So we are, man, we are rounding out this January Drakoff. Joining me here, as always, Mike Price. How you doing, bud? I'm doing okay. I pulled a little muscle in my back. So that's really, it's been nagging me today. Um, I don't know. I think I might have a mattress issue. It's hard to pin down. Mm. Uh, I definitely have an inactivity issue that's not helping with anything. (laughs) Um, Sure. Yeah. Today's injury, I think, was the result of reaching up to change a light bulb. So that'll do it. It's always just moving in a weird way that will fuck up your back. It's it's fascinating to me. And horrifying. Yeah, and uh, yes, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. We're saying like a mattress injury, just that because <laughs> that is just like no, I slept wrong, so now I'm fucked up for a few days. Which yeah, is really and crazy, it, and it always makes it worse. Like I was explaining this to Kenda today, that it's like this is the problem that I have. My back hurts, so it hurts for me to sleep on my back. Mm-hmm. But sleeping on my side is what fucks up my back. Yeah, so. Yeah. It's literally like this. There's, I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. Um, I think I just need to start taking drugs. Honestly, I think that's the <laughs> the only real solution yeah, here. That's the only solution is taking drugs. <laughs> yeah, we just took out. We had a big old thick mattress pad on our bed that would like made the bed twice as high. Yeah, it was kind of insane. <laughs> but uh, since since COVID struck us down, we've been sleeping on our stomachs because that's okay. what they recommend. Right, and it just like. The way it's so soft that this mattress pad, like if you sleep on your stomach, you're kind of like <laughs> suffocate backwards. yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. So we took it yeah. off, and and now we're on that firmer mattress pad, and I, I enjoy it. I'm I, a firm I, guy. That's my that's my jam. Yeah. Sometimes my shoulders fall asleep because I'm a side sleeper, mm, okay. and I have pretty broad shoulders, so my shoulders will like go numb at night. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Anyways, and that's we're mattress, talking about that's, that's mattress talk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you know what? You drack off in the bedroom, and we're dracking off on this podcast. So, oh yeah, uh, and this we is go. uh, we should say too, we are going to conclude. We are going to complete tonight. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to have another episode where we rank the Dracula movies that mm-hmm. comes out later this week. We're just going to knock this old puppy out tonight. Yeah, and we're going to also announce our next series, which. We uh, briefly discussed. We haven't nailed down. We, yeah, I guess we'll decide in the interim. Uh, so <laughs> uh, if you're somehow surreptitiously listening to this recording live, uh, text us before uh, the end of the night to let us know. what. Yeah, because we do. have two ideas. <laughs> same series. But I have I have thoughts on what we should do. But we'll okay. see. We'll, okay. see. Okay. we'll figure it out. Um, in the meantime, uh, should we discuss the conclusion of our formal drag off? Yeah, we're going to be um, talking Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1992, yeah. Francis Ford Coppola film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, I wish, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure I think about it 10 times more than anybody else does. I feel bad because this one is, I just, uh, the amount of times I've seen this versus any of the other ones we watched is super imbalanced. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking about it, and I've probably seen this movie after watching it again last night, six or seven times, I would say. I think um, I just, I think I've only seen this one a couple times. Yeah, around when it came, like not when it came out, but like I think it was on HBO quite a bit. Mm-hmm. 
or like well, Cinemax or something. So I'm that makes me much more curious to hear what you have to say about it than to listen to myself prattle on about it. So perhaps I can turn the tables and put the blood and guts check on you, Dick Gooley. Yeah. How, how did you feel uh, about this latest viewing of Bram Stoker's Dracula by Francis uh, Ford Coppola? I like this movie. I've always liked this movie. It's a very fascinating, uh, stylish. This movie is dripping with style. Yeah. Um, it's, it is over the top. It is, you know... Uh, um, what is dramatic? It, you know, it, it's it's mm-hmm. it's like a grand, yeah, just, o- it's like operatic. operatic. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I do like it. I I do think though there it does run a little bit long. Okay. Um, and that's been my critique of all of these movies. Yeah, even the ones that are only like an hour and fifteen <laughs> minutes. Sure. Um, it turns out I do still think Dracula's are kind of boring. Um, but I, okay. but I think this one is the, in a lot of ways, the best case scenario for a Dracula movie. Okay. What about yourself? How was this, this time around? It's um, fascinating to me that you've seen this movie so much. Yeah. I think that, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say that part of the reason for that is the classic reason you hear from, uh, kids of the late eighties and nineties, which is, I think this had like an HBO run. Um, yeah when when my family was paying for hbo uh and maybe it was showtime maybe it was the cinemax i don't know but i definitely i definitely watched this like multiple times in the span of like six months on Mm -hmm. tv but i also have rented it a number of times and i mean the reason for that is that i always liked it i enjoyed this movie i thought it was interesting and exciting and fun and it had been probably four or five years since i'd seen it when I watched it this time. And if anything has changed watching it in comparison to the other Draculas and just watching it. I mean, I look at things a little more critically now than I did in the past, but a lot of because of this podcast. Sure. Um, yeah. You kind of have to. Yeah. I think this movie is fucking great. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> I was great. like, uh, I thought it fucking ruled and it has a couple problems. It is not by any means a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. And I think we can talk about the things that don't work, but there's just a whole lot of reasons for me to really enjoy this. And they were all yeah. working in, in symphony and yeah, like I'm excited to talk about why I think this movie rules. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that. I, I, I don't know that I'm in, I'm in love with it as you are, but I definitely like. It's a cool. It's a cool movie. Yeah, and I don't think I appreciated that at the time when I first saw it. This is also a movie that is very, uh, episodic, just mm-hmm. in a way in its construction. Yeah, and I remember being a little confused when I was a kid about like the various forms Gary Oldman takes throughout sure. the movie. Yeah. And it being a little bit confused about the timeline of it. And also compounding that with, I think I didn't watch it sequentially. You know what I mean? For a yeah. while. Okay. I think I saw bits and pieces of it. Sure. And then finally watched the whole thing. Um, yeah. But but I'd, I'd seen pieces of it more than I'd seen the whole thing together uh, in order. So, so how do you feel like watching it in order? Did that help? Did it hurt? Like No, no, it definitely helped. It definitely yeah. helped. Um. Yeah, I I did like this. I I very much enjoyed watching it. My mm-hmm. wife, I could tell, was a little bored, but she's also 
sick and tired. So, <laughs> and I'm sick and tired of me. So sure. she, she yeah. I remember at one point she, towards the end, she's like, how much is left in this fucking movie? And it was like, no, it's only two hours long. And yeah. we have 20 minutes left. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, oh, so here's the first question I want to put to you. Cause this is something that, that came up, um, in the last episode, I think part of the reason that I feel like, or I expressed the feeling that I really like the opening of this story with going to Castle Dracula uh-huh. and following like Harker in the beginning and how that was excised from 79 Dracula. Yeah. Like this movie is why? Because to me, yeah. I think, I mean, and I don't think I'm the only person who feels this way. I think this movie is awesome. I think that the first half an hour is, like, amazing. And then then I think it does, it loses a little bit of speed, but less than I was anticipating. I was sort of nervous that it's like, I know the beginning of this movie kind of rules, but, like, I think it does kind of get a little bit of a slog towards the end. It wasn't as bad as I was prepared for, but it still is top heavy in terms of like the excitement yeah i think think that's a great point um and this is the best like traveling to castle dracula Mm -hmm. jonathan harker spends the night there or you know spent in this case he spends a long a long time (laughs) a month there yeah plus yeah yeah. it's fucking cool i loved all the stuff they did with dracula shadow Mm -hmm. like dracula shadow moves out of time with like his movements yeah really cool um the uh Oh, what was I going to say? Something, something you just said. Um, oh, yeah. For me, where it started to drag a little bit was the like the love story in the middle of the movie. And, okay. and, and it's not that I didn't like the love story because I did. I think that was actually like the strongest part part of this version of Dracula is yeah. that love story between Mina and Dracula, and that's mm-hmm. it, it's so different from the others that we've seen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I don't. Is it more faithful to the book? You've read the book, right? I have read the book. It's been a long time. I read the book in high school. Um, So, I mean, I think this is an interesting movie because in some ways it is the most faithful to the book. And then in other ways, they create a lot of stuff out of whole cloth. Okay. And so the the sort of... like Mina being the reincarnation, if you want, of Elisabetta... That is mm-hmm. something that they picked up from a different 70s Dracula movie. I think it might have been the Jack Palance one that we didn't watch. Uh-huh. Um, but that's not part of the book. Um, that's something that they kind of cribbed from another Dracula movie. Okay. Um, and same with connecting him to Vlad Tepes, uh, Vlad the Impaler, Vlad Dracul, like the actual historical figure, which yeah. is one of my favorite elements of this movie. Yeah, is, it's very cool. Yeah, it like... in. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit more. But I think overall, yes, there are a lot of things that are more faithful to the book. Um, One of the things that I sort of teased in an earlier episode that we can talk about more today is like the fully fleshing out of the three different suitors that Lucy has. Uh Right. Quincy is a character who's actually like he's a significant character in the book who is completely missing from every other Dracula that we watched. Yeah. Right. Um, And again, connecting Seward more to like making him sort of more of an active character in terms of like, you know, courting Lucy and all of that stuff like that stuff is all legit. And also um, all of the stuff at the beginning 
um, specifically like Harker going to Castle Dracula, this stuff that kind of got us going down this road, that stuff is also a lot more um, accurate to the novel. Uh-huh. Um, and him in, being in the- trapped there and, and, and dealing with the brides and that sort of stuff. And I know like the structure of it being like diary entries also is, yeah, is very it's a, much. Yeah. Yeah. Dracula famously is, I mean, I think if you, if you look up epistolary novel, I think Dracula is like the first and foremost example that people use, uh-huh. um, which the novel is composed entirely of journal entries, dictations, um, diaries and that sort of stuff. So the movie attempts to do that largely for the first, again, 30 minutes or so, and then kind of drops it, which I think I kind of I'm interested to know what, how it would have worked if they had tried to keep that up. Um, so is this uh, Francis Ford Coppola's last major movie? No, but it's his last good movie, I think. Okay. Um, <laughs> like, cause I know he did like Twixt in uh, maybe On the Road or something. So, so he did he did a handful of large scale movies after this. I think the most noteworthy is Jack. Oh, uh, okay. Then I, I was confused on the order of that then. Yeah. yeah. I do you remember Jack? That's so, it's so funny <laughs> to me that he directed Jack. Yeah. I think this is the, the last Jack. Movie. You, you, Jack, Sorry, if you guys don't know, is the Robin Williams movie where he plays a child that ages like. <laughs> In dog years, essentially. Yeah, four times regular speed. Um, yeah, I had to read the synopsis of Jack again yesterday because I was just so mortified and curious. Um, yeah, he did Jack in 96, four years after this. And he also did The Rainmaker the next year, which I think is oh, okay. pretty pretty good. I actually, I mean, it's like, it's pretty unfor- unmemorable. It's, it's fairly forgettable for a Coppola movie, but it's one of the better Grisham adaptations, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think I've, I've never seen it. Oh, he did... Tetro too. I forgot about that. that yeah. was like his big return to form. After, well, supposedly I never saw it. Yeah. So his three um, features in this century are Youth Without Youth, Tetro, and Twixt. None of which I think were particularly well received. Mm. And then he has basically been off since 2011. He did like an experimental film schooly thing called Distant Vision that uh, isn't even a movie. Um, but it's listed as a directing credit. But he has announced that he's coming back with a big feature film called Megalopolis. So we'll see what happens with that. Hmm. Um, yeah. But to go back to your original question, yeah, this is the end of Coppola as a as a force, I guess, uh, in in the film world, uh, as somebody who was commanding a lot of excitement and respect, probably and. I mean, even this movie, people were expecting this to flop because, you know, there were a lot of stories that like it got delayed and people were just like they put so much time and effort and money into it that it seemed like it was going to fail. And then it kind of it didn't. It succeeded. It did well at Mm -hmm. the box office. The reviews were positive. They weren't overwhelmingly good. But I think something that people talk about a lot that we should probably talk about is a lot, a lot of the negative feedback on the movie gets directed explicitly towards the casting. And that is 70% people complaining about Keanu Reeves and like 30% about Winona Ryder. Okay. Um, So I want to know what your take was on both of them in this. Uh, Winona Ryder. I enjoyed in it. Keanu Reeves, um, uh, who I do like, I think there's a a tremendous value to Keanu Reeves in film. Mm -hmm. But uh, he's a, he was a little bit 
I wasn't super into his portrayal of Jonathan Harker. Yeah. Um, just because he he's incapable of being anything but Keanu Reeves on screen on screen. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do, do you have a do you have a differing opinion on on his performance? No, I think overall I agree. I just think that he it, like people get more up in arms about it than I think anybody should. Sure. I guess well, I think I this feel. was also a period where there was a, tr- a big backlash to Keanu Reeves before yeah. he like we are living in the Keanu Reeves the Renaissance. Renaissance. Yeah. 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 Where everybody loves him. But there was a time, you know, mm-hmm. younger viewers. There was a time when like I saw a trailer for I, th- I think it was Scanner Darkly and mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves says, whoa, in, a, in the, cr- <laughs> the audience burst out in laughter uh just yeah. the mere the mere thought of keanu reeves on screen was like enough for people to be like this is ridiculous yeah um i feel that i think um i agree with the sentiment that he is miscast i think that that it's not a great decision uh on the part of the producers and coppola who we would assume francis ford coppola at this point in his career has Almost full and final, final say, say over casting yeah. this movie. Um, you know, at this point in time and still today considered to be one of the greatest American directors of all time um, with with good reason. Yeah. Um, but I think that like he's yeah, he's bad at doing a British accent. He's yeah. bad at pulling off uh, a period character. None of the neither of those things are strengths of his. But I will say that like his sort of flat and affectless performance does not bother me in particular because of the character that he's playing. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've, we've seen now four Jonathan Harkers who are just dullards. You know? Yeah. But, and that's the thing is it's like, well, I mean, he is kind of a blah, nothing, especially in this, in this incarnation where, the uh the love affair between Dracula and Mina is so amped up yes. that it's like he honestly serves as a pretty effective foil to Gary Oldman's Dracula. Because be- Oldman is sparkling on screen. Yeah, he, he just like he's fucking incredible. He in absolutely and in general, he's always good. He's always um, good, but, but like, he, like, oh yeah. He's magnetic. Compared Absolutely. to Harker, who is just like, all right, buddy. <laughs> yeah, like you totally get Mina just being like, well, I'm supposed to marry him, but also, but... <laughs> yee, I don't know. Uh, it's hard to make an argument for, for Jonathan Harker. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, this is a friend of the podcast, uh, Adam, who you work with, mm-hmm. um, was literally texting me about this this morning and basically just saying that, like, he thinks it works fine because you know, for that reason that it's like, he's, he referred to Harker as a boring speed bump for their love, as opposed to any kind <laughs> of protagonist of the film battling for, yeah. You know, and that, center is, stage. that was something I didn't really appreciate until watching four Dracula movies in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Understanding yeah, that know, Harker always, is not the hero of the story. Yeah, at all. I, yeah. I always kind of like assumed Harker was mm-hmm. in like Van, with Van Helsing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think this movie also like what if we're going to talk about Gary Oldman for a second, like one of the things that I love that they did with this is they really do make this about Dracula. And it's yes. like it is his movie. 
Yep. And they go as far as as you can making him a sympathetic sort of anti-hero. Uh I think considering that he's like a fucking evil murderer, you know, it's like you really feel like you I think you completely feel his character and its and his motivations yeah. and yeah. It's the most human human portrayal of Dracula that yeah. we've seen. He's completely sympathetic. Yeah. Uh, even though he's doing bad things, he is. You understand why, mm-hmm. um, and you're rooting for him a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, I'm. Su- I am surprised that people took issue with Winona Ryder because I think she's good in the movie, and I think she's also, um, perfect in that she is like just. I, you know, I mean, obviously, Winona Ryder is stunningly beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and uh, for to be the like object of obsession that travels centuries right it, it you know you can feel it because yeah. I, I don't know for me i'm like whenever winona Ryder is in any movie i'm in love with her so it's yeah. like, oh yeah i feel this pull <laughs> towards her you know what i mean yeah absolutely um yeah i agree with you and i think that one is more just explicitly about the accent i think oh, it's, okay, it's sure. less about her acting ability and and for me i think anybody who's going to try to comment her for her acting in this like they can fuck off because I think she she is good in this, but yeah. I think a lot of people are just like she's doing a bad British accent, and yeah. you know I'm not in a position to comment with any authority on that. So what can I say? Yeah. Um, but what I do I want to shout out the other cast members too. Mm-hmm. Like Richard E. Grant, I love Richard E. Grant yeah. and everything. He's yeah, great Doctor Seward, he's awesome. Mm-hmm. Carrie Elways is fucking awesome. Uh-huh. Billy Campbell as Quincy, like Ro- he's the funny. Rocketeer, baby. Yeah. yeah. He's great. Sadie Frost uh, mm-hmm. does a great job as Lucy. And um, always, always a pleasure seeing Tom Waits in the, oh, yeah. in the role he was born to play. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Other than the accent, but just like a, a bug eating freak. Absolutely. So With his good. crazy finger shit. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love, I love his like straight jacket as like the mm-hmm. like accordion arm straight jacket thing they have him strapped with it's so funny yeah um yeah i mean it's funny like you run this cast down and it's honestly like you know anthony hopkins is fine he's like chewing a lot of scenery but he's like yeah. to me he's like the sixth most exciting part of this movie mm-hmm. and he's the guy who's coming off best actor for hannibal lecter you know um, a lot of people had a lot. I took took umbrage with his accent in this movie as well. I could care less. I think it's fine. Oh right, because um, he's like Dutch or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I say wait, he's British, but then I realize he's not playing <laughs> a British man. <laughs> yeah. So the other huge production thing that I want to talk about that is maybe my favorite thing about this movie, like bar none, that I have have always known a little bit about, but am only now coming to fully appreciate is the visual effects mm-hmm. that we're led almost entirely by Roman Coppola, mm. uh, son of the director. A lot of people know him as a frequent uh, co-writer with Wes Anderson. Yeah. Um, so uh, he, how much I watched a, a, a documentary featurette last night that if anybody likes this movie, and is interested in, in, in the topic we're about to cover. I highly recommend it. It's on YouTube. And it's called In Camera, The Naive Visual Effects of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, cool. Um, and it is a 20-minute featurette that covers uh, a lot of how they did the visual effects in this movie and a lot of the motivation behind the way they decided to do them. 
Um, this is the kind of thing that only one of the m- directors with the most cachet in Hollywood could get away with. Yeah. But essentially what happened was Francis Ford Coppola said, I want to do this movie the way that they would have done the original 1931 Dracula. He's basically like the like all of our special effects. I want to be in camera on film. We are not going to use any visual effects of any kind. No early CG, but not even the kind of VFX that had been used um, for years and years, like like green, any kind of green screen mats, that sort of thing. No, everything they did, literally with the exception of the blue flame effect that shows up Mm. twice in the movie. That is the only post-added visual effect in the entire film. Everything wow. else they did, they did in camera. That's and, awesome. And it, it looks great. Everything yes. looks great. Even if it doesn't look realistic, it looks good. It doesn't have to look realistic. That's that, the it's, thing. It's, you know? it, because the movie is so heightened mm-hmm. that it like everything about that works. Yeah. Oh, I also want to shout out the fucking amazing... Um, bat creature that Gary Oldman turns into. It is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It might be the scariest thing we've ever seen on, on <laughs> Kill Street. <laughs> I, and I love that scene so much when the bat like fucking huffs and puffs and the cross bursts into flames. I'm like, that yeah. shit is scary. It yeah. like that left an impact on me. Um, but I just want to call like, we'll, we'll talk about some of the effects as they come along, but like understand that when I say they did everything in camera, for people who don't know what that means, it's like one of the examples that they spent a lot of time in uh, explaining in the featurette. Early in the movie, we have this scene where where Harker is on the train headed to, mm-hmm. to Count Dracula's castle, right? And um, they, we see the sort of Transylvanian countryside go by and it's like a bloody red sunset. And then we see Dracula's eyes uh, like appear, you know, sort of. And like the way that they shot this was literally like they shot it three times with the same film. So they're using something called a matte box where you you literally cover part of the lens's image, like what it's capturing. So that square, let's say, that you black out in the middle of the film. Yeah. Doesn't get exposed. So you record, then you stop, you rewind the film inside the camera. You wow. move the matte box out and then you you use an inverted matte box to black out everything else. And then you record another scene with the same film, with the same camera to like put another image inside. And so they built literally it's three levels of background like that are that are painted and built on a stage where it's like trees and like like basically things that are close to the train. And that's on a moving track that goes past the camera. And mm-hmm. then behind it is the mountains, which are supposed to be in the distance. So they also move past the camera, but they move past the camera much slower because they're supposed to be in the distance. And then behind that, they have the sunset. And then on the sunset, they are rear projecting uh, a video or I should say a film that they shot of Gary Oldman's eyes Uh so that's being projected onto the sunset, which has mountains in front of it, which has trees in front of it that are all moving at different speeds. They record wow. all of that, and then they put that into an image with Keanu Reeves just sitting 
in a train set that's on springs that extras are pushing around to make it look like the train's moving. It's literally like the way you would do this in 1925. That is doing so all this stuff. And, and as you, like you said, only somebody like Francis Ford Coppola could talk a studio into allowing him to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. This, the entire movie was shot on, 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 uh, on closed sets. It's all, there are no, there are no exteriors except like, like the only, the only exception is like they use like city sets from like the MGM studio. Like when, you know, Dracula's walking around in the daytime, but yeah, yeah, there, there are no location shots in the movie. I think the except, no, the only, the only exception is the wedding. They reshot the wedding in an actual Eastern Orthodox church in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. The, the Harker Mina wedding. Yeah. That is the only on location shot in the movie. Wow. That it, it is a feat of filmmaking, uh, for sure. Um, did you have do you have anything else you want to cover before we get into uh, the synopsis? I mean, I have a million things, but we should probably start talking about the plot and I'll just take yeah, them as they come. You know, these will come up. Uh, OK, awesome. So we're going to take a quick break and then when we come back. We're going to recap this movie. All right. Mike and I just uh, put away our phones <laughs> looking at Sybil Shepherd from last picture show. Nude. <laughs> I'm blowing up our spots. Oh, that's great. Okay, very topical <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah. It had a lot to do with Bram Stoker's Dracula. We went on a little bit yeah, of a yeah. tangent. Little bit of a tangent. All right, nineteen. Uh, nope, not 1946. <laughs> We're talking 1462, Constantinople. Hey, we get the uh, flashback. We get the story of the Romanian warrior Dracula, Vlad Dracula. Ah, uh, he, he. It's Gary Oldman, of course, in young form. The suit of armor is something that just stuck in my memory. Oh, yeah. It looks so awesome. The costume design for this movie rightfully won an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it this is like just right off the bat. This is one of the coolest things in the movie is this this suit of armor. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, it's like red. It looks almost like muscles. Like mm-hmm. it's like striated like muscles. Yeah. It's fucking cool. Um, uh, he's going. Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, go. Just tell, tell a little bit more and then I'll, I'll jump in. I say he's going off to battle, but first he kisses his beloved Elizabetha and then uh, heads off into battle. Looks very, very cool, stylish. Like it's all in like shadows with like a orange, like a a red and orange backdrop Mm -hmm. sky. Yeah, it's almost in that style of you would see like uh, in the olden days, like the puppet shows, like it's all silhouetted. Um, Yes. And we actually call back to it later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, he's impaling suckers left and right because the actual historical Dracula is based off of Vlad the Impaler, I believe. Right. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So that's Vlad Tepes. And this is so part of the reason why I've seen this movie so many times is because when I was a kid, I was obsessed with Vlad the Impaler and wrote like, I don't know how many different classes I managed to justify writing a paper on Vlad the Impaler for. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, there was a point in time where I was like just a fountain of trivia about Vlad. Uh, but yeah, Dracula comes from his. Uh, so Dracul means dragon in. Uh, so he's from Wallachia, uh, which is uh, this is basically around about where Transylvania is. Right. It's he's he was Romanian and uh, Dracul means dragon, and Draculia was son of the dragon, because that was basically his family name, the dragons, mm. uh, which is a pretty badass name. <laughs> That's, that is a very badass name. Yeah. Uh, he comes back 
God. Oh no, he doesn't come back. He slaughters his his enemies. God be praised. I am vicious. But unfortunately for him, vengeful Turks they uh, spread the news of his death incorrectly. Mm-hmm. They shot an arrow with a message that said he he was killed. And his beloved uh, Elizabetha, broken uh, broken hearted, flings herself from the castle. We should mention, of course, this is Winona Ryder. Mm-hmm. Kills herself. Dracula comes back. He's completely heartbroken. This is my reward for defending God's church. I shall arise from my own death and avenge hers. Yeah, he has a little he has a little showdown here with the with the priest of the church mm-hmm. who basically tells him because Elizabeth committed suicide that she is damned to hell. And uh, I I want to call this scene out because first of all, it's fucking so cool. Um, yeah, the score is amazing. The score of this movie just is is. I mean, everybody I think would recognize there's a track called Vampire Hunters, which is like so, so memorable. But like this, there's uh, the chorus of voices that's like screaming in this is like it's so mm-hmm. high energy. But um, here, finish, finish saying what finish explaining what happens here. And then I want to just touch on why I think this scene works so well. Sure. So Dracula stabs across, blood starts pouring from it, and uh, kind of in defy to defy God himself, Dracula drinks from the blood of the cross, and uh, he we smash to the titles card as he screams, <laughs> which I heard was not actually Gary Oldman's yeah. scream, but was Lux Interior from the rock band The Cramps, which it's is pretty, pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, and the title card's awesome. It's like uh like everything else in this movie, it's practical. So they like hammered the titles into a metal plate and then there are flames kicking up over it. Um yeah. it's like the, it's an iconic image to me. But this opening, one, connecting the whole myth to Vlad Dracula is cool. It is a cool way to ground the story, right? It this storyline with Elisabetta dying and then Mina, who we're going to meet, looks exactly like her. Like, I think gives some much needed oomph to their to their storyline. Right. Yes. But this the stuff with Dracula and the church, I think, is brilliant. Yeah, me too. Um, Because so one thing you're doing right off the bat that I watching at this time, I was just like, this is so smart. I don't know why I didn't appreciate this more. Is they're essentially retconning the cross thing? Where it's mm-hmm. like there's a why why is Dracula terrified of like crosses and holy water for any other reason other than just well he's evil and you know religion is good and it's like no it's not just that this is a person who is literally at war with the church right yeah like he has renounced God and Jesus and the Catholic Church and he or in, and now the Christians at least I think this might be Eastern Orthodox um but. Like to to essentially retcon that whole thing to give all this extra motivation to the character, and it is something they keep coming back to, right? He mm-hmm. he he has multiple strong reactions to discussions of religion and like religious iconography throughout the movie. And dude, stabbing the fucking cross and then just having it bleed everywhere, it's fucking rad. Oh my god, it's yeah. I, and this whole opening moves so fast; it's like so fast paced and like breathless, and it's just like. If this doesn't get you amped to go into this story, I don't know what will. Then we uh, fast forward four centuries. London, 1897. 
We uh, we meet Tom Waits as Renfield in the asylum. I've done everything you asked, Master. <laughs> He's like, I love his little glasses, his like big hair. Yeah, he, Tom Tom Waits, who who uh, um, Francis Ford Coppola had made a movie called, with uh, called like Songs of the Heart or something like along those lines. It's like a a, a Tom Waits musical. So some mm-hmm. somebody he had great affection for. I think cast perfectly as this fucking freak. <laughs> He's great. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Renfield, uh, jo- uh, Dr. Seward played by Richard E. Grant is there. Uh, a, a nice change from what we've seen because we've seen Seward being like an older man, but mm-hmm. like Donald Pleasance or, um, some you know, fucking old guy. <laughs> some old guy in the, in the 1931 version. This is Richard E. Grant. Mm-hmm. Um, who is like has his own thing going on um R- renfield is too deranged he'd he had come back from dracula's castle doing you know his uh land deals right l- like this um so now jonathan harker is going to go in his stead um to take off where he left off um and something happened to him there obviously we know he's been turned by dracula mm-hmm. harker says goodbye to mina his beloved his fiance played by winona Ryder. and there's this really cool shot where they're kissing in this like garden in a a peacock spreads his feathers in front of the camera <laughs> yeah and like the blue circle on the peacock's feather becomes like the red transylvanian sun mm-hmm. or something like yeah that. there's a lot of fun transitions like that throughout so he's a uh, that shot you were talking about before, Harker's traveling by train, those eyes, Dracula's eyes are superimposed on the skyline as he mm-hmm. reads Dracula's letter. Yeah. Um, and this is all told from the journal entries of Harker and Mina, too. They kind of bounces back and forth. Yeah, that's that epistolary thing we were talking about, where for most of the first 30 minutes, it's like Harker's journal entries we get. Van Helsing or at least Anthony Hopkins reading from like a captain's log at one point and all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I just want to point out, I'm, I won't bore you guys with the details, but like all of this stuff, Transylvanian mountains, castle, Dracula, all of the train, like there, it's all miniatures. Like it's all sets that they designed, oh, cool. uh, all of that stuff, you know, and it looks great. And like we talked about before, it doesn't need to look real. And in fact, CGI's like pursuit of trying to make things look real is often like it comes at the expense of a lot of artistry and like a yeah. lot of creativity. Right. And uh, one of the things that I thought was really interesting was an initial idea Coppola had that the studio did step up and shoot down was that he didn't even want to shoot on sets. He basically wanted to do like an almost uh, cabinet of Dr. Caligari style, just like painted sets and like, Mm. like weirdly lit stuff and like hanging drapes. And it would just be completely impressionistic. And they were like, Oh wow. And they were like, no, you cannot do that. (laughs) Like you have to. Yeah. I haven't seen Twixt, but that sounds almost like what he, in at least the description I've read of Mm -hmm. it, it sounds almost like that. Interesting. Uh, I I should check that movie out. Um, so uh, as Jonathan gets out of the carriage to await Dracula's carriage, a local gives him a crucifix to wear. Of course, there are wolves. The mm-hmm. carriage arrives. The carriage driver fucking looks like a Dark Souls character. Yep. He's just like in a suit, this giant suit of armor, 
stretches out his hand yeah. and like picks up Jonathan Harker and places him mm-hmm. in the carriage. They did this all practically. Um, that's the, it turns out the carriage driver is actually sitting on uh, a crane. Um, oh. And so it's the crane arm, like as soon as the carriage driver's out of the shot and you just see his hand, the crane arm moves him all the way over to where Harker's standing. And then Harker is standing on a moving platform. Keanu's on a platform that's like pneumatically controlled and lifts him all the way over uh, (laughs) just like below the level of the shot. So you can't see any of it happen. And the carriage driver being played by Gary Oldman. Oh, was it really? And this is a nod to the original, uh, the book. And I think this is at least in one of the movies that we watched that it's like the suggestion is that Dracula is actually the only one at Castle Dracula besides the brides. Right. So he doesn't actually have a carriage driver. It's like he is the carriage driver just like in disguise. Oh, wow. I didn't realize I didn't pick up on that. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so they arrived that blue ring of fire that we mentioned before. The only like post post um, effect mm-hmm. rises from the ground. We were just saying off the air, I think, actually, that I was like, I think the blue ring of fire is the only like special effect that doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. And it's just and you, were, you. Yeah, it's just something from the book. Uh, it's like pretty accurate to the way Stoker describes it, like these rings of blue fire. And apparently it's something about like marking treasure or some stuff. It's it definitely feels like a detail that probably should have been omitted. But for some reason, Coppola was just like, no, we got to have that in the movie. Um, We see Dracula's shadow like cross the wall and then meet his body as he's mm-hmm. like holding a lantern. It's cool. I love all the shadow stuff they do. Yeah. Like his shadow moving independently from him. Welcome to my home. And this is the old mr burns from like <laughs> from uh yeah the treehouse of horrors dracula right he's got the the sort of the dual hump white hair yeah um, it's i was really looking at that hair it's so disconcerting it almost it, the, his hair is the same color as his skin yeah in, in a way that like it's kind of like pulled into a ponytail in the back mm-hmm. and it looks almost like his skin is pulled into a ponytail. In yeah. The back. Apparently the inspiration really- for the shape of this hairstyle was they were trying to make him look like a Renaissance painting of an angel. Basically. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah to me, he looks more like a, a lizard. Or something. <laughs> he looks like, creepy it's, it's as a, shit. Yeah. It <laughs> looks fucking creepy. And I love, um, I mean, again, we talked to the costumes one an Oscar, like his like red robe that he wears. Like this is such an iconic look that they created. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's, it's like, it was parodied, parodied mm-hmm. relentlessly when, when we were young. Yeah. Like th- this, I'm sure there was like mad TV skits, but like, you know, <laughs> there was an in living color skit that made fun oh, was of there? this movie. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I was say, I was the guy who played Stuart. I'm sure he was in like, he played Dracula or something. <laughs> Too early. Same right network sketch comedy. Uh, pre mad TV. Yeah. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, so Jonathan like laughs. They're at dinner. Jonathan laughs at some like passing comment Dracula makes about his family. Mm-hmm. And Dracula fucking pulls a sword on him. <laughs> like old man, like fucking flings a sword. Yeah. It's no laughing matter. Yeah, and it's and it's. I mean, it's honestly, it's very scary because Oldman is doing a lot of physical acting as this old ancient Dracula. I mean, he's, he's, you know, like, you know, hobbled over or in, and kind of limping around. And then all of a sudden Keanu pisses him off. 
And he like fucking whips that sword around above his head and like sticks it right under his neck. And it's like you see that he snaps into that, that, uh, you know, he's got secret young man strength. Yeah. Uh, I have offended you with my ignorance, Count. Forgive me. Like Keanu, I guess. Yeah. And this whole speech that this whole talk that, that, that they're having in Dracula, like a lot of this does come back to those themes of like, he's basically talking about how his family, he used to like his ancestor who there's a painting on the wall. It's actually him. Um, was fighting for the church like that war uh against the ottoman empire like you know he's basically battling on behalf of the church and then he 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 talks about how that didn't work out well for his family the dracul family and the church and that's when keanu laughs and that's what sets him off is the right all that stuff we're talking about from the beginning dracula explains also that he's like the last of the of his family Mm -hmm. his, his bloodline um so yeah, they, they sign the deed for Carfax Abbey. Dracula's also buying ten houses in precise locations around London, which is a detail that I'm sure was in the book. It isn't in any of the adaptations we've watched, no. but reminded me very much. Of, have you ever read uh, From Hell? No, I've seen the movie. Uh, but I don't I'm... know what the. I've never seen the movie. From Hell is a is an Alan Moore graphic novel about Jack the Ripper. It's fucking incredible. Like I remember, mm. it blew my mind when I read it. Uh, I have no, I don't think the movie probably stacks up against it at all. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's that well remembered. But there's, um, there's like a subplot about like these obelisks in London all forming like some like pattern that forgive me, might be like Knights of Templar shit. Mm. It's been a long time since I've read it, but it reminded me of that. Um, it's very cool. Recommended. Cool. Um, he picks up, he, he picks up Jonathan's picture of Mina. And we see like this like dark ink swirl around her. Mm-hmm. And he recognizes her as Elizabetha. Like she's a spitting image. And Dracula's shadow tries to like choke him as he's like talking. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And he asks Jonathan to stay for a month with him to like teach him English mm-hmm. customs before he moves. Yeah. Um, and all this shadow stuff is done in the uh, most straightforward way you could imagine, which is there is another guy doing dracula movements uh and they just like they're shining the light from a different direction so somewhere off camera that we can't see there's a guy walking around mimicking all of dracula's actions but then you know sort of diverting from that and doing different stuff at opportune moments super cool yeah uh so meanwhile mina knows that um jonathan doesn't want her to stay with her friend lucy she's staying with her friend lucy because she doesn't want her to get accustomed to her wealth and I guess her <laughs> slutty ways. <laughs> I love Lucy. So we've seen this is now our fourth Mina and Lucy, mm-hmm. and they've just, they kind of just switch roles in every movie. Like sometimes Lucy is the one that's supposed to be married to Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Mina is the one. Sometimes they're a daughter right. of another character. Sometimes they're not. In this case, I feel like this must be the most pure version of them yes where they're not related to anybody else it's not dr seward's daughter lucy mm-hmm. um and lucy is just a young 20 year old woman <laughs> so they i actually like they giggle like uh, mina finds her copy of arabian nights and sees like people doing it doggy style <laughs> and she's like can a man and a woman really do that and Lucy's like, I did it last night. And she's like, No, you didn't. So like, yeah, no, actually, I didn't. But <laughs> uh, don't take away my hoe card. 
And then uh, she, they're talking about like Jonathan and Mina. And she's like, uh, what have you done? It's like, well, we've only kissed. <laughs> uh, he thinks he's he thinks he's too poor to marry me. And I love Lucy. He's like, here I am, almost 20, practically a hag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, it's funny. Now, this we've only kissed thing, like it really kind of, it seems like a throwaway line, but it's actually like, I think, really informing where things go with Mina and Dracula. Because we, yeah. we've seen this theme come up in the previous movies, and it's obviously something that exists in the original novel, but it's like she is trapped in this world where that's what you do, right? Like you only kiss before you get married and you marry guys like fucking Jonathan Harker. And then mm-hmm. along comes Prince Vlad, who's just like yeah. just steamy sex. And that's his in. And it's like, yeah, you understand the temptation and like the excitement that he sort of represents, yep. you know? It, it, and then the last one we watched with, um, uh, what's his face? Frank Langella. Mm-hmm. That is like the sexy Dracula. <laughs> I would say, I would go so far as to say this one is the sexy oh, Dracula yeah. because you, you buy the relationship so much more. You're like, oh, I get why she's into him. And it yeah. feels like she actually is into him. Yeah. And he is actually into her. Yeah. Um, so there's a party. We meet Lucy's three suitors who I love. <laughs> Quincy P. Morris is Jack. He's like an American. Uh, he has a giant Bowie knife. Yeah. In <laughs> guns. Uh, then we Jack Seward, who Richard E. Grant. He trips over like a, a bearskin rug. <laughs> <laughs> I would too. If I walked into a room, I'm not ready for a fucking bear's head on no the ground. No way, man. Yeah, I feel the guy. <laughs> and then finally we see Arthur. Oh, maybe he comes a little bit later. But that's Carrie always. No, he comes in at the uh, end of this scene. Yeah, with, at the end of the scene. Yeah, she's like kind of bouncing around from all the dudes. I do love that they just kind of like at, throughout the movie they're like, "Well, Quincy, you take care of her now." <laughs> they're kind of like sharing her. It's funny. <laughs> they really are. It's great. And I guess you know you hear these stories about lots of movies, but supposedly Coppola took these three guys and like sent them out together and was like, "You're all going uh, hot air ballooning." And it's like, now you're going to all go take horseback riding lessons together. Like the three of them. Cause he was like, yeah, I want these guys to be like a, like a package deal basically. And that's fun. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Dracula's shadow creeps over the party and over Lucy. So we know he's on his way. Uh, Dr. Seward's diary. He's talking about Renfield and um, he's doing his like diary entry. There are dudes in his asylum. They have like, cages over their heads. It's cool. Yeah. It looks like a, like a Nine Inch Nails video. It's to like keep people from. I, at first, I was like, those have got to be inmates, right? So they like can't bite people. But it's like, no, those are the guys who work there. Oh, I thought it was inmates too. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. They probably just are like keep, keeping their faces from getting bitten. Yeah. Scratched. Pretty stuff. much. Yeah. I think so. Renfield's eating bugs. Um, he like bribes Renfield. He's like, I'll give you a cat if you want. Um, <laughs> And then, so Renfield's like, I need lives for my master. And he's going to, uh, you know, he promised Renfield that he'd make him immortal. Um, Jonathan's at Castle Dracula. He's getting progressively more and more creeped out. He's shaving and he's, he doesn't see Dracula in I the love mirror this because scene. Dracula doesn't appear in the mirror. Yeah. What's that? I love this scene. This scene is great. Um, yeah. The shaving scene. And so, yeah, they do this mirror trick. Apparently, this is something they got from uh, this is a this is an old Marx Brothers thing where it's really? like, do you know, do you know how they did it? No, it's uh, there's no mirror. 
it's a hole in a wall to another set. And, oh. and so it's Keanu Reeves on one side and we are looking at the back of his body double. What? Yeah. Holy shit. That's incredible. I know. That's, it's so fun. Like all this stuff they did is great. Yeah. Um, so he cuts himself shaving. And then uh, Dracula, like, oh, Dracula, like, surprises him, like, Mm. touches him in the back. Yeah. Really, like, he touches him in the back, but then we see he's actually, like, across the room. He's, like, 15 feet away, yeah. Yeah. He cuts himself shaving. The mirror shatters when Dracula looks at it. Dracula picks up. He, like, turns away, picks up the bloody straight razor and runs it across his his tongue, Mm -hmm. licks it. And then uh, there's, like, this tense moment where he, he takes the razor to jonathan's neck and is like shaving him for him um then uh dracula it's things get a little heated i think he's like they're talking about like them him staying for longer or something like that i can't remember exactly do you agree with me that before the confrontation happens and maybe the confrontation is a result of this but like my memory of this movie was also that there was like there's a very sort of homoerotic feeling to a lot of this stuff that there's like it's like a really kind of tense, mm. horny showdown with like the neck shaving and all this stuff and drinking the blood. And then, you know, yeah, I didn't really pick up on that, but I guess, yeah, you're right. Cause, cause Dracula wants Jonathan. He wants right. his blood. He wants, he wants to get that sweet, sweet red blood meat. Yeah. I, I um, mean, my memory as like a teenager, like even like a preteen of this movie, like thinking back, I was like, yeah, it's like, it's real horny with like Gary Oldman and Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Dracula leaves a room and he like crawls up the outside walls and Jonathan starts to realize that he's a prisoner in the castle. He pokes around. He hears, I think he hears Mina's voice calling to him mm-hmm. and he like walks into a room. There's mist on the ground and a giant bed, like a bed that takes up the whole room. Yeah. And then nude women rise from the bed. I guess one played by Monica Bellucci, mm-hmm. the actress. Um, and then, one of them straight up melts Jonathan's crucifix necklace. Yeah. Just like looks at it and melts <laughs> on his chest. Yeah. This scene is uh, hot. Uh, it is hot. It's really hot. Um, they like pop fangs and then they start biting them. Then Dracula floats in and shoes them away okay. because he's the one who wants Jonathan. All right. So let's back up for one second because I want to touch on. There were some very specific details of the feeding on Jonathan that I had somehow forgotten about, like Mm -hmm. the specifics of them. But for one, you get to see him have a visible boner, which I. Oh, really? I missed that. (laughs) Yeah. So there's the part where it's, it's like she goes to unbuckle his pants and the camera pans down and it's very fast. You can tell it's probably something that the MPA made them cut pretty short. But it's like if you go back and watch it. It's like he has a huge fucking boner in his pants. Uh, really? Right before she unbuckles his pants. And then there's a fucking uh there's a shot where one of them is biting his nipple and then Does there's his nipple shoot blood. His nipple shoots blood and she's like sucking up all the blood. It's fucking gnarly. Okay, I wasn't sure if I caught that or not. I yeah. like, it looked like blood come out of his nipple, but I didn't rewind it. Yeah. See? Uh-huh. Okay. I'm glad you <laughs> I'm glad I asked because <laughs> That's what I thought I saw. Yeah, and and I hope we're not done with this scene because this this scene has so much more to offer. Still, <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, no. Dracula floats in and shoes them away, and we see that two of them are attached. 
Yeah, like circus like, freaks. Um, yeah, like circus freaks. Like one's coming out of the crotch of the other, <laughs> which is like that's so creepy. Yeah, and this is one of the many shots where they filmed it in reverse and then ran it back. So it's like okay. the movement. This happens a lot with the vampires. It's the same with Dracula crawling on the exterior of the castle um, to just give it that creepy movement. So it's basically they record them moving backwards and then reverse the film so that, you know, they move in a, just a weird way. Weird way. Yeah. Um, Jonathan screams as they're like, you know, feeding on him or he realizes like he's he's prisoner there. And Dracula does that like famous laugh he like curls his fingers in front of his face it's an amazing laugh yeah it's great but do you know why jonathan screams it's not just because he's trapped it's because or is is this about to come after the laugh the with the brides and dracula feeding uh no go for it i I may have so so they're upset with him and they say must we starve tonight master or something like that oh yeah god oh wait i didn't did I write that down? I should have. Yeah. And what happens? <laughs> they they toss a bait. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. Sorry. Dracula appeases them. I write. Yeah, I uh-huh. skipped that line with a fresh baby. He, he brings produces them a, baby a live baby that's crying, and they all start feeding on it. And that's when Jonathan just screams, yeah. despondent, and it's like, holy fuck. Yeah, yeah. it's gross. <laughs> um. So then, uh, the counts. This isn't a. This isn't a good term. I won't say it. The Count's people. <laughs> uh, the they, they of Romanian a, descent is his. Im- yeah. That use, are in his employ. Yeah. I know. I, I personally know. Well, I mean, I don't know them, but somebody online who has taken umbrage with this word. So I will respect that and not say it. Uh, but they use that. The G word uh, for ro- people of Romanian descent. Uh, they load up all of his earthly, his possessions in like boxes of sand, uh, sand, boxes <laughs> of soil for like him a- to sleep in. A box of um, sand. <laughs> just a box of sand. Lucy tells Mina, meanwhile, that she's going to marry Lord Arthur Holmwood. Um, it starts to rain, and we see Dracula's eyes appear in the clouds. The boat that we've seen this now four times. Yep. The boat carrying the earth um is hitting storms. Like, you know, Dracula's on board. He's like molting or something. Uh, turning into like a werewolf or some shit. Yeah. The girls, meanwhile, back in England, frolic and they kiss in the rain. They run. I couldn't understand. I, I, I don't know if did that. Do you think that actually happened or that that was just like a. Um, I think so. I think. I mean, I always interpreted this as like uh, somehow Dracula is already sort of casting his spell on them. Yeah, yeah, that's like yes, that's like kind of what I just took it, getting took it getting well. them all horned up in anticipation of his arrival. Yeah. You know, on the boat, Dracula's turning into a werewolf and killing everybody. Renfield's freaking out in the asylum. Doctor Seward is like shooting up heroin. <laughs> yeah, which doesn't really come back again. But I no, it's yeah, it too. feels like something that maybe there was more to at one point. But I still like it. It's just like me he, too. It's because he's. I think it's a, they sort of tie it to him trying to just understand Renfield and like kind of get in the mindset of his fucking crazy, you know, uh, patients. Uh, the boat docks. There's like a a where a wolf in the zoo that escapes. Uh, and werewolf Dracula rushes immediately from docking, rushes to Mina and Lucy's. Mm-hmm. 
Lucy walks out into the storm in this like flowing red nightgown thing. Um, and then Mina follows her. She sees the wolf just like fucking Lucy, basically like biting her neck. Yeah, it's I mean, it's terrifying because it's essentially yeah. like they're pretty far away. I, I mean, the way just this shot is done, like honestly, like really stuck with me. It's scary as shit. And it's also kind of like it works for me in a very visceral way because it is, is it reminds me of that feeling that you get. And I don't know if other people feel this. So you tell me if you share this sentiment, but you ever walk in on people having sex and it's <laughs> like it, it, it feels like one degree below, like witnessing a murder or something. Sure. It's right. Like, I, I'm seeing something I'm not supposed. Yeah. To see. And it's like very shocking and you feel. Yeah. It's like that feeling of like, oh, God, like, what have I walked in on? Even though, you yeah. know, sex is can be great and like a wonderfully positive thing. But for whatever reason, like you said He's like, you shouldn't be seeing it. And the way they shoot this, where Mina's very far away, and it's really like the light of the lightning crashes that yeah. like lets us see <laughs> the new mother cry um, yeah. as her placenta it's a real falls new mother to the cries floor. Yeah. Situation. That's right. But anyways, it scared the shit out of me. Also, it's just like getting fucked by a werewolf vampire. <laughs> by a werewolf. Yeah. Yeah. And he's feeding on her, too, and his mouth is covered in blood. It's fucking, it's gruesome. Yeah. Uh, Dracula sees Mina watching and disappears. Mina brings Lucy back to the house, thinks that she's been, like, um, sleepwalking. Mm -hmm. Then we're at Carfax Abbey. Oh, you know, I wanted to mention, too, Dracula's castle. The design on Dracula's castle looks awesome. Oh, yeah. It looks like, a, it looks like an old man sitting in a throne, on a throne. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's really cool design. Yeah, all the sets. I think they did a great job with all the sets in this movie. Um, so here they establish that a vampire can actually move during the day. Their their um, powers, though, are diminished. Yeah. Like he doesn't have the same powers. Dracula busts out of his box at Carfax Abbey. He's young Dracula again from like the, the 1400s. He walks the street of, streets of London. He sees Mina. He's got a great suit. Um, yeah. And so and like little weird glasses. <laughs> yeah. So this scene, I don't know. Did you notice anything interesting about like the visual, like the uh, specifically like the film that this is shot um, on? Yeah, it was. It seemed like it was shot on, like 16 millimeter or something. Yeah. So it was actually shot on an old Pathé camera that Francis Ford Coppola owned. So this was a vintage camera from literally like the first 15 years of the silent era of film. Oh, cool. Um, it's like from, but with, but with film, with the color film stock, they, so it's colorized. They use black and white film. Oh, and then, so if you watch, colorized. yeah, so I noticed it right away. One, the movement is different because, you know, this film is shot at a different uh, frame rate than yeah. standard 35 millimeter. But also it's like, I noticed it at first because I was like, oh, these colors, this is, this is colorized. Like this is not. So it's not the actual color, you know, it, and it looks like an old colorized photo. If you go back and watch mm -hmm. it, I think it looks awesome. And if you watch that feature documentary, uh, it's literally it was just a thing where it's like, OK, we have extra time. Francis Ford Coppola brought his path a camera to the set. So we're going to give it to the DP and we're just going to shoot Gary Oldman walking. Um, and it's and it's in the final cut of the movie. And I think it looks awesome. Yeah, it's cool. I like how gray everything is. Um, so he sees me now. He's like, see me, see me now. And then she does. She looks up at him and they have like this meet cute 
like ro- <laughs> like romance movie, ro- romantic comedy, like introduction. He hollers at her. Mm-hmm. She's not having <laughs> she's it. She's like, no, I have a husband. Oh, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. He introduces himself as Vlad, but she still she is into him. Uh, meanwhile, Doctor Stewart visits Lucy. He's sick. She's sick. I'm sorry. Um, Arthur, her fiance, is worried about her. She's starting to change. Um, she says she can hear everything, even like the rats in the walls. She can hear mm-hmm. conversations in other rooms. Um, and he's at a loss trying to figure out what's wrong with her. So he calls his old buddy Van Helsing to help. And we see that she has bite marks on her neck that turn into glowing wolf eyes. It's a cool like, yeah. transition. Dracula and Mina are at the Cinematheque watching like erotica or something <laughs> it's like a nude woman and also like a train coming at the camera yeah like the very first horror movie mm-hmm. or you know actually i think the very first horror movie was like a skeleton dancing or something like that terrifying oh it is terrifying <laughs> imagine if you saw a skeleton dancing <laughs> i wouldn't like that at all um he like forces himself on her back like in a back room and she starts to recognize him and she's she's not into it, but then she starts to recognize who it is. Like her, her past memories are mm-hmm. coming to her. He's like, I have crossed oceans of time to find you. That's yeah. Thanks. Famously, a line that Gary Oldman said: the biggest reason why he took this role was he wanted. He loved that line. Uh, I've cro- oh, really? I've crossed oceans of time to be with you. Yeah. He pops his fangs, but he doesn't bite. Then that escaped wolf from earlier. Is in there, um, scaring the shit out of everybody. Dracula like tames him, and they they start to pet this wolf. It's a cool moment. Lucy's sick. Van Helsing gets a telegram. He's getting he's giving this lecture on vampire bats and diseases of the blood for like you know some college course that he's teaching or something. Um, and then meanwhile, Jonathan's at Castle Dracula, getting drained by the women. <laughs> In all ways. <laughs> no refractory period for that sweet blood. He decides he's gonna he's gonna escape. Van Helsing arrives in London. Dracula appears in Lucy's window. There's a cool shot of like his shadow passing over some flowers that wilt mm-hmm. as as his shadow touches them. Seward greets Van Helsing. Um brings her back to where Lucy is. She screams, they rush in. She's like fucking coming. <laughs> Dracula's not there, but she's like finishing. Yeah. Uh, Van Helsing. Van Helsing sees the bite marks on her neck, and it's time to try to that give her that transfusion. So they use Arthur's blood. Um, the boys are trying to figure out what's wrong with her, where her blood's going. It's like, well, she's getting bl- drained of blood. We don't mm-hmm. see blood anywhere. So right. Van Helsing knows what's up. He also. In this scene, I completely forgot about this. I had zero recollection, but he like does some sort of uh he disappears and then reappears to like demonstrate that like the soup that things can be supernatural. Is that what happens here? Wait, Van Helsing does? Yeah, this speech where they're like talking about, you know, because he's sort of leading them along by the nose, like, yes, so her blood's being drained. Yeah. There's no blood anywhere, right? So where's the blood going? And they're like, what are you saying? That something just came in and sucked your blood and and flew off? And he's like, yeah, why not? Uh, and they're all like, what are you talking about? And then he goes into this thing of like, I forget the the, what's the term for it? But it's like, 
yeah, some sort of it's not transcendental, but it's like move. You know, it's that idea of like moving him like um, uh, astral projection. Yes, astral projection. Exactly. He's like astral projection and like other things like that. And then he disappears, and they're like, "Where the fuck is he?" And they like, "Oh, I don't. I didn't catch that at all." Yeah, and then they walk around and they find him. Like twenty seconds later, he's on the other side of the yard, and he's like smoking a cigarette. Um, yeah. Oh wow, I missed that. <laughs> it happens really fast. I missed it. I think in all the previous uh, viewings I had of this movie. Um, Mina and Dracula are drinking absinthe, the aphrodisiac of the soul. <laughs> uh, tell me, Prince. Tell me of your home. She's starting to unearth her memories from her past life. Jonathan escapes. He like crawls out of the window and falls into the river. He finds a covenant. The nuns write to Mina to tell him that he's there. Mina visits Lucy um, and her, at her sick bed to tell her, tell her of Jonathan's return. Lucy's not well. They put garlic in her room, and she starts to freak out. Um, <laughs> Quincy's there to check up on her because Arthur's out of town or something. It's like, Arthur told me to come look at, come check for you, <laughs> right. check on you. She's like, Quincy, you're such a beast. Will you kiss me? <laughs> Quincy's like in front of everybody. Like, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, why sure, not? Sure, if you want. Yeah, and also say, uh, 12-year-old me always appreciated that uh, also in all of these scenes, Lucy's boob just keeps popping out all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. We finally have nudity in a Dracula movie. Oh, yeah, plenty. We haven't really commented on it in the sort of uh, skeezy way that we usually do, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> there is a plethora of boobs yeah, in this there's, movie. There's a lot of uh, 90s bolt-ons. Some of them are real. I mean, uh, this, yeah. I think Lucy's I'm boobs just... are real. You're, um, you're saying Monica Bellucci's boobs aren't real? No, no, those are real. Okay. I think the others aren't, though. I Man, yeah, I think one, at least one of the brides has got uh, <laughs> a little too perky. <laughs> <laughs> she tries to bite his neck. We Like, there's a cool shot of like these fangs coming in on top of her. Mm-hmm. It's like it kind of answers the question of like where are fangs coming from? Right. It's like on top of your teeth. Yeah. I had a fucked up tooth like that when my teeth were growing in. Oh, that's crazy. Oh yeah, one thing we didn't talk about that's just another cool uh spe- like make effect is when Dracula almost feeds on Mina back at the Cinematheque. They actually do the fangs coming out like we see yeah. them in motion like appearing in his mouth and it looks pretty good. Uh, Van Helsing does his research on Dracula. Mina writes to Dracula to tell her that Jonathan's back, so she's got to go, you know, meet him uh, and marry him. She He cries. He freaks out. His scream blows out all the candles around the city. I can relate to this. Yeah. <laughs> he start, Van Helsing's starting to figure it all out. In that, um, Also, that Lucy is like a willing participant in all this. Right. She's like into it. Uh, he calls her the devil's concubine. Arthur gets drunk. He around Lucy's sick bed. He fools around with some dueling pistols. Uh, Dracula wolfs out. He starts killing these guards around Lucy's estate. Uh, meanwhile, Mina and Jonathan are getting married. And then Dracula gets into Lucy's room and he condemns her to be a vampire. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah, he knocks out Quincy, who's guarding the staircase outside, and then yeah. also Arthur inside. 
surprisingly killing kills neither of them but kicks their no, asses he kills a guard but he yeah. doesn't kill either of them which i'm glad for because i want them to stick around but you'd figure yeah. you'd figure old drac would probably just off these dudes uh he told he turns into a wolf he bites lucy's throat and there's a cool shot almost like the shining when the when the um elevator doors open and like mm-hmm. you know fountains of blood pour out there's like just blood just fountains of blood spraying in the room yeah it's sort of like a reverse of the shining where that's like from both sides it spills down at an angle this is like yeah. there's two cannons of blood on either side of Shooting the at each bed other. that shoot up over the bed like a blood fountain it's fucking great and then we're at lucy's funeral van helsing pulls dr seward aside and says that uh he needs like, it's kind of funny yeah. he's like uh hey do you have any knives He's like, why? He's like, oh, because I, I, I want to uh, cut her head off and take out her heart. Yeah. And I'm just and like very nonchalant. Very nonchalant. And I may be inventing this, but I almost feel like he has like a fucking hors d'oeuvre or something. Or yeah, like, I think he's like eating when he says it. Yeah, <laughs> he's just like, he couldn't be more casual about it. This is a joke that gets a callback also that I really enjoyed. Um, Mina is back in London now with Jonathan. She's They're married. But she's still in love with Dracula. Clearly. Uh, yeah. Clearly. And then Jonathan in the street just kind of like spots Dracula and gets agitated. He recognizes him and he's like, he's grown young. Uh, Van Helsing, Seward, Quincy, and Arthur go to the mausoleum to deal with Lucy's body. But they open up her coffin and it's empty. Arthur freaks out, pulls a gun on Van Helsing. And then Van Helsing explains to him that she's a Nosferatu, a vampire. And then Lucy comes down the mausoleum steps in all white. Her face is all white. She's holding a young child. Yeah. And this is just, I want to call out another one of the great costumes, this like burial outfit they have her in. It's cool. Yeah. She's like a headdress or something. Yeah. It's crazy and hard to forget. And she is all white. The dress is all white. Her skin is like pure white. But then her lips are blood red and it looks really cool. Something just knocked on my door. It sounded like it scared me. spooky. Maybe it's a Dracula. I hope I'm it wasn't vitamin inside. I hope it wasn't Dracula in humanoid bat form. <laughs> um. So they hide, but they stop her from killing the girl. Van Helsing pulls a cross on her and backs her up into the coffin. That reverse shot you were talking about. They filmed it in reverse. Mm-hmm. So that her movements are all strange. It looks great. Yeah. She pukes up blood in his face. <laughs> and They pound a stake into her heart. And then Van Helsing quickly cuts her head off. Uh, so then they meet with Mina and Jonathan. Van Helsing does. He's going to town like on some roast beef. Carving a roast. Yeah, <laughs> carving a roast. Was she, she's like, doctor, was she in great pain? Yeah, she was in great pain. Uh, then we cut our head off and drove a stake through her heart. <laughs> yeah. And again, he delivers this line exactly the same way. And like, there's something about the accent he's doing that I really like it. Where it's like he almost sounds like an old Yiddish man. He's like, "Yes, we cut off her head." Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And we drove a stake through her heart. Um, Van Helsing asked Jonathan if he tasted the girl's blood, and Jonathan's Mm -hmm. like, "No, I didn't. They just took my blood." And his hair is gray. Jonathan's hair is starting to turn gray. Yeah, and and note that at this point it is a like a dark gray, and it will change color more than once over the last you know forty minutes of the movie. Yeah. Um, and then Jonathan's like, well, I know where Dracula sleeps, so we have to go get him. So they form a posse and they go to Carfax Abbey to destroy Dracula. 
Uh, meanwhile, Seward hides Lucy in the asylum, so she's safe. Uh, so she she hears Renfield like ranting and raving. So she's like, I gotta talk to him. And he's like, Seems I've been rather naughty. I know you. You're the bride my master covets. Um, and he tells her that Dracula's coming for her. So Seward takes her away, brings her into his quarters for to, for safekeeping. The posse looks around Carfax Abbey, and then Dracula as that fucking bat monster, terrifying, hanging from the rafters. Mm-hmm. Uh, he flies out of there. He turns into this like glowing green mist and floats into Renfield's padded cell. And he's like, Renfield, you betrayed me. And he bashes Renfield to death against the bars of the cell. Um, the posse at Carfax Abbey, they pour holy water and recite prayers over Dracula's soil. The mist floats into uh, Seward's uh, quarters to Mina. And he becomes Vlad again. Um, and he comes clean to her. He like just tells her, he's like, yeah, I'm undead. I'm Dracula. Uh, she gets pissed off at him. I'm a bad but, boy. Um, I can't help it. Yeah, I mean, she's a, he, yeah, what can I say? I'm a bad boy. Um, but she wants to be what he is. So he bites her neck. Then he scratches his chest so she can drink his blood. But then he's like, no, I can't let you do this. Like, mm-hmm. I can't. I love you too much. I'm not going to let you do this. Yeah. But she still wants it. She drinks his blood. The scene is it's like that. maybe the horniest scene in the whole movie. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wrote down, it's like that meme. Damn, shorty. Okay. <laughs> you, ever, have you, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> uh, the posse busts in. Bat monster Dracula comes at them. He, like, screams and ignites a cross in Van Helsing's hand. He looks horrifying. Um, this is a horrifying. great He's makeup. He's tall. He has, like, yeah. backwards-facing legs or something. Fucked up wings and stuff. Yeah. Scary as shit. Jonathan now has full-on white hair. He shoots Dracula. Dracula turns into a pile of rats. Yeah, it's that so... scurry off. It's it, cool. It looks so cool because he backs into the shadows... Um, and, and his, his eyes are like bright red, right? They're like lit up red and he backs into the shadows as the bat monster until he disappears and all you can see is his eyes. And then the lights come up and he's just, he's, he's not just a pile of rats. He's rats in the form of a human. Uh, yeah, briefly in the form of a human. Yeah. You collapse into a pile of rats. Yeah. You feel like they must've built like a, just a stick outline of a human body and somehow put a bunch of live rats on it. And then they all collapse to the ground and it looks very, very cool and creepy as shit. (laughs) Uh, so they scurry away and then Mina tells Van Helsing of Dracula's plan. So he's on a, he's on a ship bound back for Romania. Um, so to cut off the ship, they take a train and because the ship has to go all the way through like the Strait of Gibraltar, uh, they're going to get a train, which is faster and they're going to get there before he does and burn his ship. But unfortunately, Dracula's reading Mina's mind and, uh, he finds out what their plan is and he changes his plan. So they have to split up. Mm-hmm. So, um, Van Helsing and her go one way and the rest of the guys go by train. Yeah. One of, <clears throat> one of the things that I like about this is I like th- we're we're sort of returning to the breakneck pace of the beginning of the movie, uh, yeah, and we're constantly cutting between 
different locations and different things happening. And we have all these travel scenes again. And uh, bless you. Um, Thank you. I just really like it as like it kind of bookends like that, that pace um, and the excitement and going back to Castle Dracula, which can be a sort of a slog. Like in some of the other movies, it's like, eh, now we're going to go back to Castle Dracula again. And here I'm like, yeah. I like I'm pumped about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I apologize. I didn't take my in addition to having covid, which, you know, I'm not contagious anymore, but uh, I didn't take my my uh allergy meds oh no well you sound stuffy right now you sound okay oh great thank you Mm -hmm. uh so they're like mina and van helsing i think they're at castle dracula yeah and um they're holed up outside like Like they're they're just outside the main gates she starts changing a little bit and she's like tries to seduce van helsing and is like egged on by the vampire brides she tries to bite him but he puts the sacraments on her forehead and it burns her, kind of snaps her out of it. The vampire brides kill their horse. And then Van Helsing takes this like curved knife and chops their heads off while they sleep. Yeah. And then he takes all three of their heads. He's holding the three heads like, uh, like I don't know, like you would hold three bags of groceries. <laughs> like, yeah. And he like, throws them off a cliff or something. Yeah, it's cool. Um, the, the Dracula's servants arrive with Dracula. He's in the back of their like their chair their uh carriage. Mm-hmm. Old, he's the old version now. Our boys, Arthur and the boys, are in hot pursuit. They shoot um you know so they, they're, like, they're fighting back and forth. They kill several of their Dracula's like little minions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dracula bursts from the box. It's well, it's great. I mean, I just want to call it. It's like yeah. we get a little mini Western action scene. Like yeah, it's it literally is, like it a like stagecoach chase. Falling off the carriage, they're yeah. Like falling off cliffs. Mm-hmm. They're riding horses and firing rifles and pistols, and it's just like it's just like a really fucking cool. Like yeah, we're gonna throw in like an old timey stagecoach heist scene. Um, yeah, yeah. They get to the castle. Dracula bursts out, and they slit his throat. It's really bloody. They stab him in the chest with this knife. Um, He's in bad shape. Mina pulls. What's that? He's in in very bad bad shape. shape, Mina pulls a gun on Jonathan. um, And she's like, when my time comes, will you do the same for me? No. Quincy has gotten stabbed in the back during the ordeal. He dies. Uh, Mina brings Dracula inside. Dracula's dying. He looks like a fucking monster. She kisses his face. And um, her she calls him my love. And her love releases his spirit. Yeah. Basically unchains him from his centuries of immortality and his defiance of God. Yeah. It turns back into young Vlad and she pushes the knife further in, finishing the job, decapitates him. And then she looks up at the fresco painting on the ceiling of Dracula back in the 1400s or 1300s and Elizabetha together. And they're heaven. Yeah. Ascending. Yeah. Ascending. And that's the end. Yeah. Oh, man. What a fucking <laughs> roller coaster. Yeah, it really is. All right. So do let you, me uh, do copy you think, and paste this. How do you think things are going to... Some... I have a question before we barrel yeah. into this. I just want to know your opinion. Uh, do you feel like things are going to work out for Jonathan and Mina? <laughs> I feel like there's going to be some resentments. I don't know. I'm no expert here. Who knows? But I think, uh, yeah, there's going to be some 
some late nights of Jonathan just sitting around thinking, like, what did you do with Dracula? <laughs> huh? You're always stringing up this Dracula guy. Um, so we got some deaths. We got the Turks who fell in battle to Vlad. We got Elizabetha, a baby, people on the boat, um, some guards around the uh, the estate, Lucy herself, Renfield, the three vampire brides, several of Dracula's uh, minions, Quincy, and then finally Dracula himself. Mike, what would you say is your favorite death of the bunch? Um, my favorite death, man, it's what a what a swing from the previous three films because it was always it was slim pickings for a long time. Yeah, and now doing that whole rundown, I think. I mean, we only have a handful of big characters die. But for me, um, does the cross count? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cross is cool. No, no. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Lucy. I think we talked about the shining esque blood fountains and uh, being yeah. ravaged by the wolf in the bed, and it's like many things in this movie is supposed to be violent but sensual all at the same time. You guys know I love Hellraiser, so. Not in my personal life, but in my motion pictures, I love a little sex and violence. Uh, not like, you know, uh, to be clear, I mean, like, consensual sex and sure. violence. So, uh, anyways. Yeah, we know that, so you meant. Uh, <laughs> no doubt in my mind. This is the closest I've come to feeling I have to edit something out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave it in um, out of sheer laziness, but. <laughs> yeah. We understood what you meant. We're going to go for Lucy. Uh, I think. I think for me, it might be Dracula's death. Yeah. Um, it's emotional. It's gory. He gets his head fucking cut off. <laughs> yeah. N- brutally <laughs> and like fully on camera. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So I'm going to go with that. Uh, this movie is now 18 years old. No, it is 28 years old. Holy shit. Yeah. Holy. Wow. Almost 30. <laughs> um, <laughs> moments at age of the worst. Uh, I'll go first on this one. Sure. <laughs> and I guess, it, you know, in the spirit of this category, mm-hmm. Uh, I'll say maybe it is the uh, the the slang term for the for Rom- Romanian people that gets thrown around, uh, and I know it's not a preferred term. So yeah, yeah, it's, that's gonna be mine. The G Y word. Sure, sure. That's you guys fair. know what I'm talking about. Stay away from those gymnasiums, folks. Um, <laughs> oh, a guy. <laughs> uh, moments that age worst for me. Well, one of the beauties of a period piece is that uh, you don't have to grapple with uh, things from 1992 that feel weird now. And I I mean, I almost want to, like, give this movie a pat on the back, too, because because of the way that they chose to shoot this. We also don't even have the aging that you would get from other 1992 films from a technical or visual perspective. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I will say. That I guess the thing for me that aged the worst about all of this um, is probably, I mean, it's almost unfair because it was more maligned even at the time. But I will say that the decision to cast Keanu Reeves as Jonathan Harker explicitly because he was a very popular heartthrob at the time, which was essentially how Coppola explained his reasoning. He wanted like a matinee idol type in that role. Um, I think that was a misfire. And I think that that uh, is one of the only things that has really uh, perennially held this movie back from being considered like a great film. So that's my call. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Yeah. 
Uh, so we like we here on Killstreak like to rate how scary these movies are against the filmography of a one Mr. John Carpenter. Stay tuned. We are going to unveil our new scale in the next episode. That's right. But in the meantime, we have the final, for now, Carpenter scale movie. Hmm. I'm looking at it. I'm going to say. There isn't a real one-to-one that pops out to me. This movie. What were we going to say? I'm just going to say, I think that this movie is scary. I think that there are a number of frightening images. Uh, uh-huh. Things that stick with you. There isn't like a sense of dread that pervades the entire thing. Uh, so I would not put this on the level of a the thing um, sure. or a Halloween. But I will say that I think this is in the second tier of John okay. Carpenter frights. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I have um, I have an idea, but I want to know if you have an idea. I was think I was circling around Prince of Darkness. Prince, uh, perhaps the fog, and often, I think a prince one. for a prince, my friend. Prince Vlad, prince, for a prince. prince yeah. Vlad gets a prince of darkness in my book. I like that. Yeah. I like Prince of Darkness. I like this movie. Let's lock it in. All right. Baby. All right. And then finally, Mary fuck kill. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious the way Mike feels about it. So I'll, I'll go first. Um, I think uh, this is. Huh? I'm a little. I'm a torn between well, a fucking and a Mary. Well, let me throw I this at I, you. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I can give my Mary fuck kill, but I almost want to save my closing thoughts on Dracula as a little bit of a cliffhanger for after the break when we are going to rank these four movies. Oh yeah, that's a good call. Let's do that. Um. So if you little scamps want to know if this is a Mary a fuck or a kill, I think you got to stick around. And wait until after our break when we do our final rankings of the All right. January Dracoff. Let's do it. I'm going to take a quick pee and then we'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Gonna rank some Draculas. But first, we're going to do our superlatives here at Killstreak. We like to do some superlatives. Uh, and the first category that we have, I'm gonna do best fainting woman (laughs) so this is a series Uh that is absolutely filled with women who are infirm who faint who just overcome by the uh (laughs) excitement and pace of the world (laughs) yeah it's just too much for these simple delicate ladies um so uh you want me to go first or you want to go first for best fainting woman? Um why don't you go first? Uh yeah. I want to hear I want to hear your fainting woman. I think uh I'm going to go back to the original uh-huh. 1931. It's the one that set the pattern for me. Uh and I'm going to uh talk about Mina okay. who uh is Dracula's first victim. At least of the characters that we see. I guess you could say that Renfield's the first victim. But she's the one who's sickly, ends up passing away. Um, They can't figure out why. Um, (laughs) Then returns, kills some children. But uh, she's kind of a real nothing muffin in that movie. (laughs) Yeah. Um... In a series where the women are very... uh, you know, interchangeable, really. They s- straight up switch names. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I think um, this is an interesting category because we were we were sort of uh, really uh, racking our brains to even. It's like a funny idea, but then separating all these different scenes yeah. from each other. You had to like run through them. They <laughs> <laughs> like all bleed together. Um, so I, I apologize if I am mistaken, but I want to say, if my memory serves, that... Um, <laughs> I don't know if she quite technically faints, but my nominee for Best Fainting Woman, regardless, is going to be from 1958 Hammer Dracula, and that is the maid Gerda, who who, um, basically uh, just Dracula simply appears. She just sees Dracula screams and falls down, and then we are we come upon her later crying hysterically. Um, Yeah, you're that's a good call, man. That's a good call. Like, literally, she just saw a bad man, and she screamed and fell over, uh, which, <laughs> I mean, I understand, but also, uh, you know, you got to have some kind of survival instinct buried in there, in yeah. that coding somewhere, right? She's not that far removed from the hunter-gatherer <laughs> stage of human evolution. Her freeze response is very strong. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Uh yeah, that's a good call, man. I forgot about old Gerda. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you have it. I have uh Mina from the first Dracula nineteen thirty-one yep. and Gerda from Hammer's Dracula. All right. Uh next up on the categories. <laughs> I like this one. <laughs> we have biggest cuck. <laughs> which might also just be called the worst Jonathan. Well, don't know because i to me at least when i was trying to sort this out i interpreted biggest cuck to be not just (laughs) not just the jonathan harker and uh, let's be honest it's always jonathan harker (laughs) yeah i mean i i guess arguably it's who in in hammer dracula it's not actually jonathan it's um arthur right who's kind of getting cucked um oh is it arthur yeah yeah yeah, i think you're right yeah because he's lucy's husband I believe. Yeah. 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 Um, yep. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The brother or Mina's husband, I should say. Brother. Mina's husband is, is Arthur. Yeah. So he is. Yeah. Whether it's Arthur, uh, Homewood in, in hammer Dracula, or Jonathan and the rest. My point being, I didn't look at this as just who gets cucked the hardest. It's also <laughs> who's the who, biggest. Cuck. Who's really, I mean, to be a, a great cuck, you gotta be, complicit <laughs> right you gotta be kind of sure. kind of kind of feeding yeah. into it a little bit so yeah 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 um yeah so anyways i actually have a winner and a runner-up for this one um okay I don't know, do you want me to go first or should i uh yeah you go you go ahead okay so um my runner-up is uh the great keanu reeves who um sure. i think his portrayal of jonathan carker really gets the shit cucked out of him Jonathan Carker, Jonathan Carker, <laughs> Carker. Um, but really, I can't imagine handing this award <laughs> to anyone other than the Jonathan Harker of the 1979 Dracula, who uh, practically begs Frank Langella to fuck his his fiance. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. So yeah, that is also my selection for biggest cuck okay. is Jonathan Harker from 1979. He is the least effective Jonathan Harker <laughs> of all the Jonathan Harkers. Who are and they're all not very effective. Defined almost and by their ineffectiveness. Yeah. He's the one who's like 
<laughs> Dracula's like, hey, invite your fiance over to my house for dinner. Unfortunately, you can't come because you're going to be in London now. Scoot, yeah. buddy. Yeah, his response to most of, of Dracula's moves on his woman uh, boiled down to, I am so furious right now, and I would definitely do something about this if I didn't have to go take care of this throbbing boner I have. <laughs> so congratulations, Jonathan Harker from the 1979 version. You are Killstreak's biggest cuck. <laughs> this, is a, this is a category we're hoping to bring back uh, in future series. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whenever it applies, I'm down to bring this one back. Absolutely. <laughs> Okay, and then finally, our final superlative, we have sexiest Dracula. Yeah. Now, this is a tough. This is this actually is probably the toughest category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think because um, we're <clears throat> we're just talking about the man himself, right? So this isn't the sexiest yeah. Dracula movie. This no, no, is... no, no not, not the sexiest movie. The actual Dracula. Yeah. Who is the sexiest? Yeah. Well, you want to go back and forth? We can go four, three, two, one. Um, yeah okay you want to do them in, or- in order yeah why don't you kick it off you give your four i'll give mine and then we'll uh we'll, oh, okay. we'll do it that way how's that sound sure that sounds good okay um man okay i think in terms of sexiness mm-hmm. not in terms of um iconicness sure because i do think this is a really great dracula performance but i think i have to say bella lugosi in 1931's dracula to me mm-hmm is the least sexiest because he's also the Dracula with the least amount of chill. Yeah. Um, he's the one who's just like, I hate mirrors. Uh, I'm going to talk about crazy shit at this opera. Yeah. Like, you know, like it's, um, so yeah, for me, I think uh, that he is my least sexy Dracula. Yeah. I think, I do think that, uh, it pains me to agree with you, but I'm going to have to echo this sentiment. It is the hardest to imagine Bela Lugosi's Dracula getting anyone, man, woman, nine non-binary folks horned up. Um, yeah. It's just not the energy that he's bringing, you know? He no, brings a great energy that I really enjoy, but that energy is not sexy. He brings a lot of menace to the role, yes. but he doesn't bring a lot of sexiness. Yes, I agree. I agree. Um, my number three... Uh, was the hardest call for me to make, I think. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. And I'm going to be honest, um, I might regret this later on, but I'm going to say that my number three sexiest Dracula is going to have to be Frank Langella, and it's mostly because of the hair. That was the tiebreaker for me. I am still hung up on this god-awful hair. (laughs) Yeah, you know what, man? I I think I'm right there with you because... I think in a lot of ways that is the sexiest Dracula movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But as a Dracula himself, yeah. I think that hair in that baby face of his. Yeah, the- he doesn't have enough menace to be truly No. You know, I just mentioned Bella Lugosi is all menace. Right. The Frank Langella Dracula is almost no menace. Uh and I think that part of what makes Dracula so sexy is he's dangerous. I agree. And I also think that like there are this there are ebbs and uh you know sort of uh peaks and troughs to this sexiness. And I'll say that 
at least in the scene where Dracula, where Langella's Dracula first joins everyone for dinner. And that's the one where Mina faints and then he has to like hypnotize her. Like Mm -hmm. if he was operating at that pitch for the entire movie, I might give him the, you know, a higher ranking. But I think that there are just too many other scenes um, where his hair looks too stupid. um, And, (laughs) and he's just not, you know, he's just not turning me on enough. And I, I, at the end of the day, I got to listen to my heart. And uh, the other place in my body where blood frequently congregates. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's, there's no shame in that. Uh, yeah, so we're in agreement so far, completely mm-hmm. in agreement here. Yeah, uh, I think Frank Langella is the third sexiest Dracula. Uh, so for number two, this is this is tough as well because um, I have to separate my own personal tastes mm-hmm. a little bit from what I think is actually the sexiest of the sexiest portrayal. Okay. Of okay. Uh, Cause I am going to go with Christopher Lee mm-hmm. from hammers, Dracula as the second sexiest Dracula. Uh, he's a tall drink of water. Yeah. He is scary. He's, he's menacing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think by design, his Dracula isn't as sexy as, you know, you can, you can guess my winner at this point <laughs> um, because it wasn't a very sexy movie mm-hmm. but I do think there is something smoldering and yeah. dark and mysterious about Christopher Lee yeah and I agree with you uh, I mean how could we possibly I, I think it was a foregone conclusion that um, Gary Oldman was going to be our number one sexiest Dracula um, yeah Christopher yeah. Lee the sexiness of his Dracula Almost entirely a credit to Christopher Lee. It's not really yeah, built into all- the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's yeah. just the way he plays it and what he brings physically to the role. Um, but the performance. And I mean, it's also like I, I talked about some of the homoeroticism of the 92 Dracula. And I would say that the only thing that we have that comes close to that in any of the other films, I think that he has a way with. Um, uh, Harker uh, at the beginning when they have their scenes together that he, you know, in his way, although it may not be explicitly sexual, he sort of uh, seduces, you know, yeah. Harker in a, in a sense, even though Harker is there to kill him, you can feel him sort of exerting his power and, and what else is sexier than power, right? Yeah. I assume <laughs> that's, that's what, that's that what the show succession is about. I don't know. Uh, I've never <laughs> yeah, seen exactly it. What it's about. Okay, cool. Uh, so yeah, that means number one. No surprises here, folks. It's the old man. Uh, yep. Do you want to share any thoughts on? Well, we see a lot of different faces of Dracula, but we <laughs> this is the this is the Dracula that is the most fully realized. He's the one who is the most sympathetic. Mm-hmm. You understand where he's coming from. You feel his passion. Yeah, and that passion cannot be quenched. This he needs that. Sweet, sweet Mina meat. Yeah, this Dracula is all fucking passion. And, yes. and it's a movie built around that, right? So it's like everybody else was kind of screwed from the beginning because this movie is designed to, to revolve around his unquenchable love for Elizabeth slash Mina. But, yep. you know, he also uh, has, you know, he's, Mina's not the only person that he uh, takes 
I mean, a boy's got to eat. Yeah, it right? takes it to the hole with, if you know what I mean. So, uh, <laughs> takes it to the hole. Yeah, it's a basketball yeah. term, um, but I feel like oh, okay, it functions sure. as a euphemism for sex, also. Um, so, anyways, you know. Well, there you he go. Goes hard. Our he goes real hard to the rim, is all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he goes hard in the paint. That's right. Um, <laughs> all right, there it is. That's our ranking of the sexiest Draculas. We are in agreement here. Mm-hmm. Will we be in agreement for our ranking of the Dracula movies? Wow. There's only one way to find out, and that is to listen to the words that are about to come out of our mouths. <laughs> our canonical so, rankings of these four Dracula films. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Maybe sometime in the future we'll start talking some other Dracula movies. Yeah. But for now, these are our canonical rankings. Of Dracula. Uh, as a refresher, we have Dracula from 1931. We have Hammer's Dracula from 1958. We have the Dracula by, directed by John Batum in 1979. And then finally, we have Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. 1992. For number four, for me, I'm going to have to go with the one that I found to be the biggest chore to watch. And that is 1931's Dracula, directed by Todd Browning, starring Bella Lugosi. Although I do think it is a great performance of the character Dracula. Um, just watching it now by modern day standards, it just wasn't that enjoyable of a viewing. All right. I think that's totally fair. Uh, I understand that perspective. I will say that in selecting my number four and least uh, favorite of these Draculas, I tried to evaluate why I might watch this movie, why I might recommend it to someone, of what it has to offer. And for that reason, I have, uh, I, I have gone a different route. And I'm going to say that, unfortunately, because uh, I was expecting more, 1979's Dracula is my number four because I cannot, in good conscience, give anyone any reason to watch it. Is in essence, like I'm not saying it is bad. In like I don't even think it's like a bad movie overall. It's just Uh in the way that you sort of note as like the caveat to ranking 31 Dracula last. Well, 31 Dracula has a couple things going for it. It is the most famous one. Uh, yeah. So it's iconic. Lugosi is great. He created essentially what people think of as Dracula, right? In terms of a performance, it's part of film history. Um, so those are all reasons why I would be like, yeah, you know, if you want to get like a good in-depth feeling for Dracula, you got to watch that movie. Whereas 1979 Dracula, it's like Langella is not the best Dracula. He's not even top two for me of these four movies, right? Um, visually it didn't work for me. I thought it had issues, uh, watching it. I wanted it to look more like any of these other three movies. Frankly, I wish it was black and white, or if not, I wish it was more, uh, sort of lurid and, um, engaging in its sort of color palette. And, and, uh, you know, there's just nothing to about like the most memorable thing about that movie is Jonathan Harker getting cucked. It's funny. Um, <laughs> and Frank Langella's stupid hair. It's just like, I don't know. I, there's no reason why I would tell anybody to watch that Dracula over any of the rest of these. So it lands in my uh, final spot. Interesting. That's a, that 
puts me in a predicament. Um, okay, I can I I I hear those. I, I think uh, listeners will know though. Mm. I I did enjoy that movie more than more than of you. Of course, yeah. Uh, uh, um, but yeah, okay, okay, interesting, interesting. Well, I mean, I'm not going to argue it too hard because my number three in the ranking of Dracula's for my personal ranking is the 1979 version. I do think there is a uh, Mike did not like the visual the visual flair of it. I think there is something to be said about how the movie looks. I think it, there's some interesting um, shots and there's interesting sequences. Langella, though, is the most lacking of all the Draculas mm-hmm. in IMO. Um, but I think that it, it it is it moved a little bit faster. I was excited by the opening sequences, although it does it does eventually get a little overlong, mm-hmm. as a lot of these movies do. Um, but yeah, for me that comes into the three spot. Uh, but you know, you bring up an interesting point. Will I ever recommend if somebody's like I I want to watch a Dracula? I've never seen a Dracula mm-hmm. movie. That's excellent point. I'll never recommend this one. Yeah. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah. Right. You're right. I, I would even be like, you know, the 31 version's not very good, mm-hmm. but it's interesting to see. Right. Yeah. Um, but I do think just like pound for pound, viewer enjoyment, um, I'm gonna have to rank this one for number three. That's totally fair. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, we're just gonna have a quick little flip hop here. Because for me, uh, the 31 Dracula is, is definitely firmly in my number three spot um, for the reasons that I already outlined. It's like it has historical value. Um, it is noteworthy. It's I mean, it's borderline legendary. Does that make it a great movie? Not really. Um, yeah, but it's interesting. And it's like it's more interesting to watch than it is enjoyable to watch. But I think it just like serves more of a purpose um, than the 79 does. And again, it's like, you know, if if you if you if you're someone like me who wants to uh, kind of understand the context in which Dracula exists as a character and in the history of cinema, you can't really skip it. And so for that reason and because I think Bela Lugosi is great and it has a handful of unforgettable images in it. Um, I'm going to put it number three, but that being said, I think there's a big gap between our, I mean, between all of these, frankly, for me, but it's like, this doesn't raise it up to the level of like, Oh, that's a great movie. You gotta see it. I, it's hard for me to even recommend watching it for any reason other than wanting to gain the sort of historical context and educational value of it almost. Yeah. Okay, then, for number two, for my own personal ranking, uh, I'm going to go with Hammer's Dracula. Mm. I think it's probably no surprise. Um, it is exciting. I do enjoy that movie. I think the uh, they did a lot with a little bit of budget, and it looks very really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, they really packed the frame of every, not every shot, but most of the shots. Yeah. The, the sets, which are we learned are reused in different ha- Hammer movies, um, they look interesting there's something yeah. just there's something that's just like intoxicating about that movie yeah um and christopher lee is is great in it uh peter cushing also does a great job as van helsing it has a lot of departures from the story like the 
the other versions right. that I think are welcome. Yeah, especially if you're engaging in exercise like this one where you're watching a bunch of Dracula yeah. movies. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so it, it, at the very least, I don't think I love that mo- this movie, but it made me more interested in watching Hammer films mm-hmm. and Hammer Dracula movies yeah. in particular, which I, w- I will do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. It is also my number two. Um, I think it, yeah, it creates a look that I really enjoy that I keep thinking about weeks after we've yeah. watched it. Um, yep. like of the first three that we watched, uh, this is the one because, you know, Bram Stoker's Dracula is very fresh in my mind. I watched it in just the last few days, but like Hammer Dracula, we watched almost a month ago and I keep thinking about it and I keep, you know, uh, going back to specifically the look of that movie, but also, like you said, Christopher Lee is great. Um, this is one that I would recommend to people uh, if you want like something slightly off the beaten path. Although, I mean, for that era, it was very well known. But I think these days, you know, maybe less and less so. Um, yeah. And also, like we said, like I will, I fully plan to in the near future. Now that I don't have to watch a Dracula movie every week, I'm going to start dipping into the further entries in that uh, Hammer Dracula catalog. Like, I really want to yeah, watch. Same here. I want to watch Dracula AD 1972. I want to watch Scars of Dracula, like we talked about. So, like, I'm going to dive into those. And and I think that's probably the strongest endorsement uh, I can continue to give this one. Yeah. Well, then, I guess it's no surprise that our number one, my number one entry, mm-hmm. I don't want to speak for you. Maybe you are pulling a curveball out here. <laughs> it's Mary Shelley's render- Frankenstein. It's my number one. <laughs> Our favorite Draculas are Frankensteins. Good night, folks. <laughs> um, it's Bram Stoker's Dracula. We just talked about it for an hour mm-hmm. and a half. Yeah, it, it, This movie fucking, it does rule. It slaps. It looks great. <laughs> There's a lot of energy. The performances are great. Gary Oldman is is fantastic in this movie. Yeah. You know, we just, what can I say? We just spent an hour and a half talking about it. Mm-hmm. For me, my number one, uh, a strong number one. Yeah. This, you know really does separate from the pack yeah uh it is bram stoker's dracula yeah i mean i think if i can sort of uh hit the bullet points of what makes this such a runaway for me in the first place you mentioned gary oldman like i don't think you can overstate how i mean it's just like how much more of a performance he puts on than really anybody else in this conversation yeah, he brings. He's a fully realized Dracula. Yeah, and and I mean Gary Oldman for good for good reason is considered to be one of the great living actors. Uh, yeah, right now uh, he's he's phenomenal, and he uh, he brings so much depth and so much energy to this role. He does a really good job. I'm n- I don't really know a Transylvanian accent all that well, but whatever accent he's doing, it works for me. Um, yep. And uh, he really pulls you into this, the character. I talked about the technical feat of this film. Uh, the visual effects that they managed to accomplish are truly noteworthy. Like it is, I mean, this is honestly like one of the most impressive visual effects films I've ever seen. I have to, yeah. like, I, it's hard for me to think of anything. Like this is on the level of like a Jurassic Park when, when you talk about, like, oh, man, what they were able to pull off. And I, I mean, I know maybe I sound like a guy who's only interested in movies that came out when I was a kid because those movies came out a year apart from each other. But 
I mean, you know, it reminds me of uh, the 1980 Clash of the Titans, like sort of the last hurrah of Ray Harryhausen claymation uh, or, you know, uh, stop motion, I should say. Um, the stuff that they did is it, it looks incredible. I think it's going to age wonderfully for generations. Like this is going to be a movie. People will be able to watch 50 years from now and be like, this stuff looks cool. It's never going to look shitty because it's timeless and yeah. it's interesting. And there's ingenuity behind it. The weird wild energy of this movie is intoxicating. The score is phenomenal. We never mentioned his name, but uh, the, the composer is a guy named Wojciech. Kilar, I think, is his last name. He's Polish, and he won an Oscar, I think, for the piano. Um, but like, go listen to the the first two tracks of this score on Spotify or whatever. It's like it's fucking great. Um, and I just think that like the this is a movie that no one else could make except someone with the cachet and the record of success that Coppola had. Like, you're not gonna see this movie get made by a lot of people. And if if anything, it's like uh, my as my sort of closing thought, it's like I think it is the most exciting, most interesting Dracula. Uh, it has by far the most style. I mean, honestly, this is one of the most stylish movies we've watched on this entire podcast. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, Francis Ford Coppola is he is one of the all time great directors. Um, there's a reason why. Uh, and like this movie while it may not rise to the heights of, you know, the conversation or the Godfather one and two, it's, it's really good. This movie is just like in a total different league than, than the other three that we watched. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I agree with you on everything you just said. We do have a discrepancy though in our canonical ranking. Yeah. That we have to rectify. Um, I, Man, it's a tough it's a tough spot for me because I, d- I genu- genuinely did enjoy watching the 1979 mm-hmm. version more than I enjoyed watching the 1931 version, but I do think there is something to be said about it. the 1931 version's um just importance. Yeah. The it's um so I am willing to knock down the 79 version to my to the 4 spot and go up to uh three within the 1931 version um with the caveat of if you want to watch a more modern movie yeah and you want to watch a dracula movie watch bram stoker's dracula but if you only have those two (laughs) i don't know maybe you'll enjoy the 79 version but it is worth the 31 version is worth seeing as a horror movie fan yeah you know it's downright shameful that i had never seen it until we watched yeah. it for this exercise. And and I I think that is a very um brave, uh very generous thing that you're doing. And if I could if I could extend an olive branch to you, Eric, it would be to say that if you put a gun to my head and forced me to watch one of these two movies again tonight, uh yeah. I would watch 79 again before I would watch yeah, 31 yeah. again. Like uh, me too. You you watch Bella Lugosi's Dracula once. Once. To have seen yep. it, to say that you've seen it, to know what it is, and then you don't want to go back and watch that movie again. Yeah. No, but you should watch that movie once. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And and you could probably go your whole life without seeing seventy nine Dracula. Yeah, 
and you wouldn't be worse for it. Yeah. And then you watch Bram Stoker's Dracula for the seventh time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. There you have it, guys. Our ranking of the four Dracula movies that we watched for this track off. We have uh, 79's Dracula, 31's Dracula, The Horror of Dracula, which is Hammer's Dracula here uh, outside of the States. And finally, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Guys, what a journey this Drakoff has been. I almost died during it. Not really. I was fine the whole time, but it was terrifying st- still. It was touch and go. There were some anxious texts. Um, <laughs> but that is it. We have completed, Eric. We have, yeah, we have. come we to finished. completion. We both finished. <laughs> now who's going to eat this Dracula cookie? <laughs> This spooky cookie. <laughs> um, yeah, and we we will now enter our year-long refractory period until we tackle another month of Dracula's, perhaps. Uh, maybe, uh, or maybe at some point we have a a month of Frankenstein's coming down the road. Who knows? We'll we'll figure it we out. We just got to come up with our sleazy euphemisms first, and then yeah, uh, we'll we'll Frank off. Frank, <laughs> let's be frank. We're jacking off here. Uh, okay, so we have our next series that we're going to be covering. Yes. We've decided during the break what we're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike, why don't you tell our lovely listeners? Um, sure. What's the next series? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start, but I know this is one that you're very excited about and with good reason. Um, you know, we debate on this podcast about, well, how long is this damn thing going to last, you know? And how, how long are we going to hold on to our biggest hits? Uh, when yeah. when do we decide to dole them out to the folks at home? And even though we just gave you some heavy hitters with the old Drax, uh, we decided it was time for one of the, uh, I think one would argue, the cornerstone franchises that this podcast was created uh, around. Yes. And that is going to be the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. So we're going to be doing the four original Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. We are not going to be doing the remakes in their sequels mm-hmm. and prequels. Uh, we we will do those at some other time. But I think just for the sake of everybody's time, yeah, we don't want to do two months of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And we also probably don't want to do two episodes a week yeah. of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So we're just sticking with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, Leatherface, colon, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The New Generation, I think, or The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should have looked. Um, <laughs> you did pretty well, I so, think, all told. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, of course. The, I think these are all movies. I, I love the first. I like the second. I th- remember really liking the third. And the fourth, I think, is a fucking mess. We'll see, though. Yeah. Um, they're all interesting in their own way. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really uh, cool thing for this podcast. We don't have any real, like, snoozers yeah. in the mix. And this will be my first time as a Texas resident watching any of these movies. Oh, so that'll yeah, be... Yeah, that's a good point. Perhaps I'll be able to bring a little bit of extra perspective, at least in terms of the locations and that sort of thing. Hey, maybe you can drive to one of the locations and take a picture. That could, that could <laughs> or be... Or record your, record your uh, half of the podcast from the house. That could be pretty something. interesting. Yeah, I could use Anchor's uh, podcast from your phone functionality. 
Yeah. Which, which <laughs> little trivia fact, that's actually what I did for our announcement of your COVID diagnosis. Uh, so, Oh, it sounded good, too. Yeah, I think it turned out okay. I did put a blanket over my head. Um, oh, okay. So I don't know how much of an impact that had. But uh, yeah, anyways. Uh, so yeah, I'm very excited to do these. And I'm also excited that we've just, you know, we've come to the conclusion that Eric and I are grown men. And this slavishness around the idea that like we must cover every movie. Well, that's really something that I mostly brought to the podcast in the early days. <laughs> um, so really, I just want to tap. I want to pat myself on the back for just letting go a little bit and saying, you know what? We can just say fuck those other four movies for now because they are definitely way worse. And who? Yeah. Who's going to get excited about us covering? spending all of March uh, covering four bad Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre movies. Uh, yeah, this is our podcast. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. Um, right. I'll say this is streaming if you are a subscriber to the Criterion channel, oh. it appears. Uh, also on Shudder. Beautiful. Which is great. I didn't realize that it was on Shudder. I'm talking about the first movie. Yes, of course. Uh, the original Toby Hooper's uh, arguably masterpiece, Texas Chainsaw yep. Massacre. No spoilers for how we're going to rate it on the Mary Fuck Kill scale. Uh, it's just <laughs> oh, let me touch back on Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh yeah, of course. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a Mary. I love it, man. I'm happy to hear yeah. that. You guys know it's a Mary for me. I want to fucking yeah. I would. <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna petition to get to say the final quote, but I want to use it now. Uh, I I would cross oceans of time to be with. Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> okay, guys, you can write to us if you want to do so at killstreakpod at gmail.com or killstreakpod at gmail.com mm-hmm. on Twitter or Instagram at killstreakpod, which I'm just realizing now. I don't think I updated with the last Dracula movie, yeah. but hey, whatever. Nobody, nobody's nerfic. Eric's using COVID um, as a real umbrella excuse for a lot of stuff right now. So. <laughs> If you want to uh, leave us a voicemail, you can do so at um, anchor.fm slash killstreakpod. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, So we will be back next Monday with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Please watch it and join us. Yeah. I'm excited, man. I love love that movie. Uh, But as always, I have crossed oceans of time. To find you. Wait, no, I already did it. We're going to pick a different one. Okay. <laughs> God be praised. I am vicious. <laughs>